Welcome, survivors of the apocalypse. You've made it to the Z-Cast. You're home for the zombie apocalypse, and we're glad you made it here safely. We'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 8, The Collector, and joining us is its writer-director, Dan Merchant, who also directed Zombie Road in Episode 14 of this season. I am Brad, and joining me on this adventure through Z Nation are... Susan. And Rhiannon. And if you love you some zombies and like what we're doing here, go ahead and drop us a five-star review on whatever podcatching program you're using. Those reviews not only help us get noticed, but help to get the show out there as well. The more people who know about Z Nation, the better. And let us know what you thought of the latest episode with a voicemail at 470-30-ZCAST. That's 470-309-2278. Leave the podcast a voicemail at znationpodcast.com. Send us email at znationpodcast at gmail.com. Follow our Tumblr at zcastpodcast.tumblr.com. And on Friday nights, live tweet the show with us at Zcast fans and tag us in your tweets, hashtag Zcast. And they just might end up on our feedback segment. You can also join us on Facebook for episode discussion and zombie fun at facebook.com slash group slash Podcast. And this week's episode was called The Collector, and it was written and directed by Dan Merchant. And the synopsis is Murphy is captured by The Collector, a zombie enthusiast of the frightening kind. Trapped in his museum of horrors, Murphy struggles to find a way to escape. Meanwhile, the group searches through Austin, yay Austin, for Murphy. Will they find him before it's too late and the mission is over? By the way, kudos to Z Nation for finally making it to Texas. Yeah. (laughs) That was Austin? Yes, dude. (laughs) That was clearly Hyde Park. Okay. (laughs) I was like, that works. I can see that. Well, in our first uh, email here is from Kelly, and Kelly actually just started watching the show on Wednesday and, like, binge-watched. And <laughs> so <laughs> that's what she does. Kelly is, is famous for binge-watching. Uh, she's my, my co-host on the other podcast, uh, Geek Girl Soup. Uh, she says, that was great. The zombie origin movies, George R.R. R. Martin. And even calling the guy the collector makes me think of the Marvel collector recently played by Benicio del Toro. Uh, I'm with Murphy on not wanting to go to the CDC, and yet staying with the collector clearly would have been even worse. Having that blood in the bags, uh, too bad they don't have any ice to keep the blood good and just give that to the CDC and pretending that Murphy died en route. Murphy I can still I'll- die en route. He could. Yeah, he could. He still could still die. <laughs> Just take uh, his head. Right. Uh, I thought all the uh, pop culture references, uh, the zombie movies, George R. R. Martin and HBO, were funny and, in a way, made it feel more real. The seriousness of The Walking Dead always feels real, but we know that we'd really be comparing a Z reality to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, the Walking Dead, Z Nation, The Girl with All the Gifts, etc. So, having that reminder that these people live in our world makes the Zompocalypse feel a bit more plausible. I agree, and I have to I have to say thank you, Dan, for putting that in there, because that made such a big difference to me. I love the fact <laughs> that they had posters all over the place. No, the well, laugh- thank you. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. The laughter on my side was pretty loud. Yeah, we loved it. I was having fun pointing out all the posters going, look, there's one. Wormwood! Wormwood was a great one! 
Yeah. Oh, was that? I think I saw you on Twitter uh, commenting on that one. Then, yeah, that. Well, that's the way we feel about it. It sort of makes us crazy sometimes. You know, like it's it's lifelong uh, uh, time spent watching horror movies. Which are, don't go into the house. There's a shadow in the window. You saw that. Don't go in. Well, let's go investigate, gang. You know. So it's that same sort of idea. It's like, how do they not know what a zombie is? You know, we we joke around that. Um, five seasons into that other zombie show, it's like you really have to be a moron to get eaten by a zombie. They're, <laughs> they're, they're slow. You have to really make a tragic misstep in order. So that's why we like to mix it, mix the rules up a little bit. And we, you know, we've got your 28 days later, fast ones and your, your shamblers. And then yeah. obviously our, our, our specific to Z nation mutations. But yeah, the fact that, that there is a world that, um, that, that had this at least as left, gender fiction prior to it does give them a frame of reference well that's the big joke among people in my family because on december 26th we have zombie day and all we do is watch zombie <laughs> films all day <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that's a wonderful tradition i know yeah, we're I like you know a devout christian family on 26 we're all watching you know zombie movies yeah. uh but yeah. the joke is that we're or you know well you know that the minute the zombies would rise, everyone would be like, all right, get out your bats, get out your guns, let's go. I mean, because we know what they are. We'd be ready. No, that's it. And, you know, we, we you mentioned in the intro that, uh, that I direct episode 214 coming up. And uh, without giving much away, I'll give you a teaser on that. that. That episode is called Day One. And so we get to flash back with each of our, our surviving characters to kind of see where they were and what they were doing the first time they saw a zombie and killed a zombie. And and, uh, and so that was a conversation we had in the writer's room about, you know, yeah, we, we know what zombies are, but you still don't, that's not the first place you go. You're like, is that guy got the flu? Is that guy sick? Is that guy been in, been in a car accident? Oh my gosh, no, it's a zombie. But, you know, you, you, you don't go there in the first moment, but you do go there as you check down the list of, well, it can't be this, 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 or this holy crap, it's happening, you know? And that makes it, that makes it fun. And I, I don't know, I feel like with our show, we, we get to go there for as outrageous and, and fun and goofy as it can be. Um, that is, as you guys described, it is a fabric of our, our world now and carrying that uh, reality over to our make-believe crazy zompocalypse. It does make it feel slightly more real. And then we can go off and do something completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I yeah. can't wait. Yeah, if the zombies rose up now, I don't think it would take long for people to start shooting them in the head. Because right. we know this. We've been conditioned for years what to do when this happens. Yeah, you're right. You're not going to empty empty your revolver into their chest and then wonder what happened. <laughs> no, you <laughs> might, it might take a shot or two, and then you go, oh, wow, I guess that is true. Headshot. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And hope you don't have the return of the living dead zombies, which doesn't bother them. And, you know, then you're yeah, screwed. Yeah, yeah. Then we're boned. Thank <laughs> you, Russo. Um, my husband yeah. and I were at the sh- <laughs> My husband and I were at the shooting range and, you know, we're firing the guns and he's doing the traditional, you know, shooting at the, you know, the bullseye in the heart area, the chest area. And every time mine comes back, it's all headshots. And he looks at me and he goes, going a little crazy with the headshots. I'm like, dude, I'm a zombie writer. Come on. <laughs> I'm practicing. Yeah, exactly. It's all, all about the kill shot. I write this stuff. I'm going to, you know. That's funny. <laughs> Jump through the rest of these comments here real quick. Uh, Court said the com- the Comic Con Zombie Museum and the stroll down Zombie Movie Lane. Oh, the metafiction metafiction be still be still my beating heart. Seriously <laughs> loving nice. the misery vibe we're getting from the guy in those Murphy scenes, and that's what I thought too. Misery, there it is, right there. 
I'm your yeah. biggest fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, that was sort of our our premise was that you know there there's there's, there's got to be a person out there, and I might be talking to three of them. Where uh, the, the, the day that the zombie apocalypse happens is yay. Finally, you know, and so we, we pretended that that's who this guy was, that this guy had been planning for it, and there wasn't much else he knew about how to function in the world, but this is a topic he knew well. Mm-hmm. So when it happened, he was better prepared and better suited than virtually anybody, and uh, he's trying to make an economic opportunity out of the zombie apocalypse. Hey, you got to make money somewhere. <laughs> I know I know that. I kept sitting there going, I know this guy. I know this guy. Throughout the entire, I was, I know... I know this guy. He's emailed me after he's read my books. I know this guy. <laughs> nice. Well, that's what that's what we hope. That's how we hope the uh, the the certain segment of the audience takes the show is a is a big warm uh, hug and a sloppy kiss from us to you. So that's uh, we we uh, really it's it's fun. None of none of the writers on the show are are zombie aficionados. I mean, we're all writers. We've written all kinds of different genres and different things, and and we enjoy uh, sort of the 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 rock and roll fast loose loud aspect of the zombie genre and so we you know we're familiar with it but it's not like i was dying to write a zombie show but it's been so much fun and part of the fun has been the enthusiasm that comes back to us and the details you know we found that hey we get to write lots of funny tiny little details because people will catch them and they will it'll care that they'll care they'll notice so the the sort of the enthusiasm and affection that comes back uh, because we've put that level of detail into what we're doing, uh, it's but that's made it so much fun. I mean, it's been a really good time. Yes, I, I had to laugh at the guy with the crossbow saving, trying to save R.R. Martin. Yeah, good. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the dirty, dirty guy with the crossbow. Dirty guy with the crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> I sent a message it, it, to Carl and, and Craig, going, "I see what you did there." <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Exactly. Well, you know. Daryl's my favorite guy on that show, so it was uh-huh. just a little shout out. But again, again, I'm sorry if Daryl and the collector show up at the same place. Uh, if Norman and uh, the collector show up at the same place, he's an actor. He doesn't really know our collector. He he knew, and sorry, he, our, our boy went down, and uh, the collector got away with George Martin. So, <laughs> Albert said, "How is zombie-proof armor not a thing more people do in this world?" And that was another great thing about the collector is that he had the outfit that most zombie fanatics would have designed for themselves. Yeah. Ah, good. I'm glad you guys like that. Yeah. yeah no, that was it. It's like uh, sort of the the thinking is most of the time you spend running away from zombies. You just avoid them. You try and avoid that confrontation. Well, this guy, no, he's collecting them. He wants to get up close and see which ones are the good ones and see how they're different. And, you know, so again, he's more like an animal trainer, an animal keeper or something. So then we sort of went down that road. And then, of course, he's got to have style. So mix in a little of the uh, the samurai tradition uh, in there and his martial arts background to go along with the you know the the padded arm, for example, that the uh, the zombie in the pit uses. You know he protects himself with when that zombie attacks him at the very beginning, and uh, you're like, yeah, he's like a lion trainer, sort of. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Janet asks, "Where's Citizen Z this season? Are we going to see him again?" You will. Yeah, you'll. Citizen Z will will return, and um, he'll be back for. Three of the episodes, I think, before the end uh, is is nigh uh, for season two. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a juggling act. If, as you you noticed uh, this last week, we went. You know what? Let's let's dedicate a story mostly to Murphy. You know, let's let's catch up 
in a way with some more Murphy backstory. Let's go a little deeper into the mythology of his evolution. Let's come up with a story that really puts a spotlight on him. And so while the other characters are present, you know, they had obviously a much more simplified uh, role this week. And so that's one of the things that's difficult when you've got Citizen Z with his, his adventures now with his um, facilities being degraded at the North Pole and all that. He's isolated and without power and uh, equipment. He's just a dude in the snow. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have to make a change to survive. Um, but there's only, you know, there's only 43 minutes every week. So yeah. how do you do justice to everybody? And, you know, so we had a couple weeks where, you know, Murphy wasn't really the focus of it. You know, he always has his moments. But, you know, Sketchy and Skeezy got to run loose on the Mississippi with 10K in Episode 7. So it, it becomes a juggling act for, for all of us to how do you properly serve each of the characters. And sometimes it's, all right, he's going to sit out this week and we're going to focus, you know, in the case of the collector, we're going to focus on Murphy and really go deep and set up some thematic things that are going to, you know, pay off, you know, late in the season. And uh, but yeah, we'll get back to Citizen Z. He'll he'll circle back around in uh, th- I think three of the final six episodes or something. Awesome, mm-hmm. sounds great. I, I love the episode with Ten K though because even though he was a mute for like you know half the episode, he still had more <laughs> lines than he had had in the entire show. So it was great. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and you know all of the characters have their their qualities that are appealing and interesting, and they all have you know their fan base and people respond to each of them. And um, and so it's an interesting challenge to go. Wow, we thought you know this one and this one would be more side characters, but people love them, and these actors end up being great. And wow, they've really brought these characters to life. So it's a it's an ongoing adventure for us to kind of properly serve the story, properly serve the characters, and and, um, and, and really uh, try and reach the potential of where this show can go. So hopefully we'll have we'll have many more seasons to accomplish those goals, but I can tell you week to week it's a challenge. All right. We look forward to it, that's for sure. Uh, Sarah on <laughs> Tumblr said, uh, Z-Nation loves referencing things, and it makes me so happy all the time. We've had oh, three that's ca- nice. <laughs> We've had three cases of uh, The Walking Dead references with the ex-cop at the prison, the creepy doctor show being called Dead Live, <laughs> and the mention of the dirty guy with the crossbow. We had an nice. entire Mad Max episode, a Huck Finn episode, constant nods of Romero, and now we're getting a Roswell with zombie aliens, and Doug Jones is playing a guy named Scully who's a skeptic. I love this yeah. stupid show, she says. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we love them too, you know, and... Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's us being ourselves. You know, we're all, you know, I said we're not zombie uh, experts or aficionados, at least we weren't when we started. We are now, I feel. But we're sure fans of, of, of good storytelling. And um, that's the thing, you know, especially going to some of the, these comic cons and meeting people and hanging out. It's like, oh, wow, these, we can sit around and talk about old X-Files episodes all day with people. And it's like, oh, they're, we're in the same club that they're in. And so these, again, are these little kind of nods to an affectionate audience that catches all this stuff. You could show these to CSI uh, watchers, and they'd have no idea what we're talking about or care. <laughs> um, Martin But says- the fact that you guys do, I mean, that just made, you just encourage. You still there? What's Martin say? Oh, oh, sorry. I, I there was a big little blurp, and I started talking before you were done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, Martin says really enjoyed that episode. Can we expect you to write more for Z Nation? And if I can get away with a second question, can we expect more celebrity zombies? 
I certainly anticipate writing more episodes and directing more episodes. If we get a, if we get another season, that's that's the plan. Um, yeah, I've definitely been you know I've been in the writers' room from day one with uh, Carl Schaefer and, and a handful of the other writers, uh, and then also through season two. So yes, I, I expect and hope to uh, to continue on uh, writing and directing uh, for the show. And yeah, on the celebrity zombie front, yeah, I, I, we've 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 had a few opportunities and we've tried to figure out the best ways to do them. And we we trust me, we had a lot of conversation about. Uh, the value of a cameo and and is it more distracting and we really didn't want it just to be you know for uh, for publicity purposes only which obviously helps us a lot you know we're over on the sci-fi channel which is a kind of a small little little island in the cable universe so to be able to um you know have george rr R. martin participate and his name and his notoriety creates news in places that sci-fi doesn't touch. I mean, Rolling Stone wrote up a blurb on it, and mm-hmm. USA Today, and Huffington Post, and you know places like that that aren't known as bastions of sci-fi. Uh, so, so that that's the value of it from a publicity standpoint. But we were really careful to go. Well, it still has to be an entertaining thing. It still people have to get a kick out of it. It has to be smart. You know how we utilize them. And so, um, so Michael Cassett, who is uh, is one of the uh, the co-executive producers and writers of the show, he actually wrote two fourteen that that I directed. That'll be coming up. Uh, so he and Carl Schaefer um, kind of kicked up an idea about, hey, what if it goes like this? And we t- talked about you know the Comic-Con connection, and this seemed like a natural place to, to put such a cameo in this episode with this collector. But uh, Michael Cassett and, uh, and George R. R. Martin are, are working together, and they worked together on The Outer Limits years ago, and they're actually working together on a, on a new HBO show. Um, so, uh, so Michael uh, basically arranged for uh for martin to come play with us and you know george couldn't have been more gracious and he got the biggest kick out of it and he brought two of his quote minions as he likes us to call them the two personal assistants that came and and were were the 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 gals there with him so there you know you'll see those gals when you see george at a sci-fi convention sometimes so everybody loves being a zombie it's the weirdest thing so it kind of comes down to (laughs) timing and uh, and then also, can we come up with a bit that's that's worthy of you know sixty, ninety, two two minutes uh, of screen time? And I was really happy with how this little bit played out. And um, there was enough jokes in it, enough inside jokes. If you're paying attention, if you're a George R. R. Martin fan, you know the little summer is here joke about the new you know manuscript that he's partly through. It's like, wait, what? There's another. He's got another book. What? You know. So <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun. But so yes, the answer is yes. I hope that we could do do some more uh, cameos as the as the show progresses. Awesome. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> any any suggestions? Any recommendations of people you'd like to see? Ken Foray and Galen Ross from the original Dawn of the Dead. I'm totally down with that. Oh, funny. Okay. I met Galen Ross, and she is awesome. Okay. So nice. And Ken Frey is pretty darn cool, too. Yeah, Ken Frey does, he, yeah, he's great. I've, you know, been to some of his uh, talks at conventions and stuff, and that man can just talk and go on, and (laughs) it it is so fun. (laughs) Oh, he's amazing. I got really drunk and cried all over his shoulder, and he dealt with it, so I give him kudos. Wow. Uh, I loved you, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, we're at a party, private party, and I'm like, I love you so much. I wrote my book. I was thinking of Dawn of the Dead. I'm just rambling, and he's just like, give this girl another drink. I'm like, yes! That is fun. 
And if he can get wow. Tom Savini yeah, on definitely can. We'll put that in the Beyond the Call category. That was generous of him. Yeah, try, He's nice. Try, try to get Tom Savini in there, too. So then you'll be totally good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's There you go. That's great. He that's campaigned great. hard to play the governor, and that didn't happen. Well, we have a, <laughs> a comment from Julie. Uh, she said she loved Murphy remembering his daughter. That was very emotional. And will uh, Lucy be back soon? Trick oh, that's a nice comment. Thank you. Yeah, that was a uh, that that was something it's like I wanted to do a funny episode, but sort of at the core, um, you know, it's it's Murphy exposed. Yeah, you know? Murphy Murphy having to come face to face with his opportunity slash predicaments and um and yeah the issue with lucy was certainly a, a poignant one him having to try and make the best call uh in the big picture and without giving anything away i say yes uh you'll uh, there will be uh further uh exposure to our to the little baby lucy at the at some point there was a really nice moment at the end of the episode with murphy and warren and him saying don't leave him alone at cdc yeah i I thought that was a that was a pretty powerful moment too i think murphy realized during the course of his dealings with the collector that maybe he does need everybody else uh maybe maybe they do uh insulate him and keep him safe and protect him from his own um carelessness but uh yeah he definitely was uh at his most vulnerable uh, in uh, in dealing with the uh, in dealing with the collector, and maybe got a little snapshot for the kind of uh, situation in, in you know to come. You know, if 10K doesn't come and you know rescue him, then maybe that that aspect of being able to distract the collector doesn't present itself. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely the the Warren Murphy relationship is going to continue to get you know nice and complex as uh, as we get closer to California. Good, good. I I love their scenes together. <laughs> Yeah, they're both, uh, Kalita and Keith are both such terrific actors that uh, it, it's really, it's, it, it, it kind of goes back to the thing I was talking about before where we've got a lot of characters to serve and so we have to be pretty intentional about, okay, here's a Keith and Kalita moment, we're just not going to worry about what everyone else does in the scene, you know, or here's a Doc and 10K moment, we're not going to worry about what everyone else does. And, you know, early in the season maybe we were trying, you know, we had uh, earlier, earlier in season one rather, we, you know, you've got six, seven characters and you're trying to get everybody into the scene and it's like, you know, that doesn't make the best drama necessarily and we'll catch up to you guys later. And so uh, I think, you know, we, we definitely uh, create some more effective dramatic moments when we really focus them down and it is just between, you know, uh, Murphy and, and, um, and Warren or just between Doc and 10K or maybe between Vasquez and, and Warren or something like that. So how did you get involved with Z Nation? Uh, I've known Carl Schaefer, the showrunner, for a number of years. He and I both had shows at uh, Viacom Paramount back in the day. And uh, there was an executive who was supervising, was sort of assigned to his show and to my show, and um, said, hey, do you know Carl Schaefer? I think you'd really like him. And they said the same thing to, to him. So they sort of set us up on a blind date almost. Said, hey, you guys will dig each other. So we went, okay, sure. So we had lunch, and lunch went about four hours. And it's like, hey, they were right. This was fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was like 2001 or something. And uh, so we stayed in touch and had various assorted adventures in between. And I think he tried to bring me onto the dead zone at one point when he was there, but I was on something else at the time. And, uh, and it just, you know... It had just gone, the years had gone by, and um, I had come off a project and was was sort of taking stock of 
who have I always wanted to work with or who do I like that I don't see very much or, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, I don't know, you spend so much time working on projects, you want to do them with people you like. And I thought of Carl, so I called him up kind of out of the blue, maybe hadn't talked to him in, you know, a year, a year and a half or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, great. And we traded scripts and, hey, what do you think about this? And we were going to pitch an idea. And um, I think I was waiting. No, he, he had sent me a script and, and um, I was supposed to read it and I didn't get it done. And he called me on that Monday and I'm like, oh, dude, sorry, I didn't get your script finished over the weekend like I hope. No, no, I'm not calling about that. Uh, this zombie show came up. You want to come do it? And I'm like, uh, zombies, huh? Well, let's talk about it. And so he gave me the rundown, and I said, sure. You know, if you're doing it, I'm in. So we did the, you know, he invited an interesting and eclectic group of, of you know, writer-producers to come in and, and kind of help him, uh, help he, he and Craig Engler, uh, who's the uh, other creator on the show. And, uh, and it's kind of, it just worked. I mean, we've had a great, great time together, and everybody's really you know terrific creatively and kind of has the right disposition and kind of brings different kind of personal backgrounds uh you know to the mix and um and it was it just really it just gelled it was really fun and carl is a terrific showrunner and um he really kind of keeps it between the hedges like where we're trying to you know not go too far this way or too far that way but let's go as far as we can in between and that allows us to to bring a lot of who we are and our goofy ideas to it and um, it's just it's it's just a lot of fun. So by by invitation is how I got involved. Nice. Cool. Well, everything seems to be going great on the show. I love how everything seems to meld together with the different writers and all all the all the directors and everything. Since you're a writer on here, I'm going to go ahead and plug my one request for maybe next season. Uh, okay. I want I want my Christmas episode. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Well, I listen. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm mostly I'm I'm the most guilty of it. But then everyone else picks up the joke too. I walk around with the uh, NBC announcer voice tonight on a very special Z Nation, and uh, so Christmas episode. We want to do one that's a fake after school special. We want to. I mean, you know, we got. We've got our, our again. We grew up on TV, you know, in the you know seventies, eighties, nineties. So we uh, we're well versed in all that, and and yeah, the Christmas episodes are you know that or the two parter where you go to Hawaii. That's the right. other one that we're oh uh, we're looking forward to. So hey, hey. Um, you know, everybody from Brady Bunch to Modern Family has to do the two parter to uh, Hawaii, and we're like, why not us? Hey, Doctor Who has a Christmas episode just, every season. It's a vacation. <laughs> Oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, uh, duly noted. Duly noted, Brad. <laughs> there, you know, there were elements of Christmas in the Zombaby episode, but I guess it wasn't <laughs> enough, huh? Yeah, no, that was, that was a, we were trying to appeal to the Southern Baptist audience with that one. So, we were, <laughs> awesome. we're trying to reach out what? to our friends, uh, our friends in the Southeast, the Bible Belt, you know? It's like, the whole show is about resurrection, people. Come on, stay with us. My mother is a very devout person and she was like she was almost a nun and that was the episode she chose to watch first never right, seen a right. nation and i was sitting there and she's just laughing through the whole thing she's like oh my god it's, is that a star above the bar? oh my god that's so hilarious my mom just thought it was great yeah well that's <laughs> cool uh, we had a little fun well one of the big projects that i did right before this was a is a doc documentary film called lord save us from your followers that that as a person of faith as a christian in america looking around and saying are we sure we're as right about everything as we sound like we are and uh and so it was a really interesting interesting journey to be able to to you know talk to everybody from you know you know al franken and and tony campolo to rick santorum and bono's in there and 
you know, really kind of trying to examine the us versus them thing that, that people of faith have gotten terribly comfortable with. And, um, and which is, you know, I'd argue runs a little counter to the red letters in the Bible there. But um, it, it's interesting. And so that's that's part of something that we are kind of sensitive to and, and pay attention to. It is a genre show. But, you know, if you pay it, if you'll notice, you know, what, what what's what's the vocal on our theme song? What, what are the lyrics there? Have mercy. mercy. Yeah. And, and we do a and we do a thing where, you know, we, you know, I give you mercy. May God give you peace. I give you mercy. So, so we try in subtle ways to try and reaffirm the fact that the zombies used to be people, you know, that they had value. And, uh, and by that, we're trying to create a, an undercurrent of empathy or at least complicate the idea that the zombie is just the other worthy of being destroyed on site. And yeah, they're after you. Yeah, they're, you know, and so I think there's perhaps a parallel there to the way certain other uh, groups around the world uh, uh, perhaps are viewed or at least the way their, their stories are told to us. So in our in our subtle little way, um, you know, we're trying to we're trying to complicate that narrative of about the other, uh, and uh, and certainly with Murphy being able to communicate to a certain level with certain Z's or being part Z part person, again, you know, in within the zombie genre, trying to complicate that and bring empathy to it, and you know, you saw it in one of the episodes I wrote last year, um, the the Z NATO episode where that zombie comes crashing in and, you know, Murphy has this this connection, you know, with him kind of for the first time as his evolution sort of, um, and it's this very tender emotional thing or, or Murphy being able to empathize with the pain or you saw in, in the, the most recent episode, The Collector, you know, where he's kind of training uh, the zombie in the pit, you know, and they're playing that red hands game and the, you know, he's able to communicate and, and control the zombie and maybe activate something in the zombie. That, that wasn't alive before Murphy got to him. So those kinds of things, I think, are fun where we're, we're certainly tapping into the, the Zombi tradition, you know, from the Caribbean, where it was sort of a mind control type riff mm-hmm. and adding that with, you know, the other things that are more popular and more, more prevalent. Um, but all of those things make you feel bad, hopefully, when that one zombie gets his head cut off and his brain taken out or it makes you feel bad for, gosh, the same thing could happen to Murphy. So I don't know. So, so it's interesting because from a faith background it's like trying to trying to complicate the narrative a little bit and you know if you can be empathetic about a zombie then you can be empathetic about anybody uh i would argue so there's our little uh <laughs> our little <laughs> public service announcement woven deep into the fabric of z nation uh, i think i think the, the viewers see it i see it and, and as a red text follower thank you for your comments but um i really liked uh the fact that you have, like we were, some of us were discussing, some of our friends, my, my friends and I were discussing was the fact that they would be kind of religious elements to giving mercy to someone, that you would develop that narrative over time, that you would develop death rituals and, and ways right. of dealing with this apocalypse. It, it just makes sense that humanity would find a way to incorporate faith systems that already exist with a new faith system. And, and I think the uh, giving mercy is probably one of the most powerful parts of Z Nation that they got that y'all have gotten right about this apocalypse. And I have a question for you because oh, nice. I'm I'm I used to live in Austin. I'm I'm between locations. We're still trying to figure out where our next location is going to be, but it'll be in Texas. But um, I've been like, they're not in Texas. Why haven't they come to Texas? They need to come to Texas. So y'all were finally in Austin. Thank you. <laughs> and. It, 
And I, well, I could, as somebody from Austin, I could sit back and go, yeah, I could totally see that being Hyde Park. Yeah, I could totally see that being XYZ. Um, so do the writers get to set the show in a certain location, or is that decided by the showrunners? Or do you have a map of where you're going to be, and then you just fit the episode into that area? Or what, how do you do it? It's sort of all of the above. I mean, we definitely try and work out. That's one of the things sci-fi loves about the show is that we that we do cover America. You know, when we're in Wisconsin, we work the cheese wheel thing in. When we're in Philadelphia, we worked in the Liberty Bell. And, um, you know, there were, there were supposed to be a couple other things, but, you know, not enough time and budget. But we were supposed to start the episode 208. Uh, I, I wrote a version where we actually started at Cadillac Ranch, that they pull a Cadillac out of the ground and figured out how to jumpstart it and make it work and all this stuff. And then they end up down the road. So this, so that would have been, that would have been an easier way to go. Oh, there's there's Cadillac ranch. Where's that? That's in Texas someplace. Right. So then that would have been a, a quicker, a quicker read uh, to it. So, but we were a little more subtle. You probably caught the reference to plain view. You know, if we got enough gas to maybe get to plain view. So, so, you know, if, if somebody wants to follow along on the map, yeah, you can probably figure out where we're going. And, uh, and and there was enough in like two oh three, for example, Zombie Road, where it's like, well, we got to go. You know, we came this far west, then the New Yorks fell. Now we got to get back the other way and get out of the fallout. And now we got to go south down the Mississippi to get around it. And you know, eventually you got to start coming west again to get to California. So there you go. We we're looking for for you know kind of a Route sixty six uh, kind of connection, and they end up just going a little further south of that before they they continue to jog south and west. Besides, Texas is going to be safer because we've already cleared out most of the zombies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Well, listen. Uh, without, <laughs> well, not Houston. Any, you're boned. <laughs> yeah, without, without giving anything away, when we get to 212 and 213, you guys are going to get a real kick out of uh, uh, how Mexico comes into play. So <laughs> you guys will enjoy that one. Brad follows the map, by the way. I do. I follow that map on, on Sci-Fi Channel every oh, week. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Because we talk about what, where everybody's going, and you know, we kind of look forward to see what's going to happen. And I yeah, to- no, that's fun. That's fun. That is a cool element, and yeah, people do come along and play and and try and predict and, and all that. So that's that's neat. Again, more of this super affectionate response to the show. It's like, oh wow, okay. Well, we'll keep we'll we'll keep putting the Easter eggs in, and they you know they seem to matter. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now you said earlier that you weren't a big fan of the zombie genre before uh, writing for Z Nation. So did you have to do a lot of research into it? And did no, I, I mean, look, that- I'd, I'd seen everything. I mean, okay. I'd seen most everything. Um, but to say that it was like I got picked because I was a passionate zombie all-star uh, and that's why I made the staff, that, that wouldn't be the reason. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I love 28 Days Later. Um, I loved the original Dawn of the... Uh, uh, well... I guess I love the Dawn of the Dead remake, as you saw me shout out in 208. Mm-hmm. I love that one a lot. I thought that Get Down with the Sickness sequence was just awesome. And that was that's kind of the tone. You remember when they're playing golf on the top of the uh, top of the, the mall and the, there's that the yes. mm-hmm. lounge, lounge against the machine version of uh, Get Down with the Sickness. And uh, then I think they're taking sniper shots. You know, Jay Leno. And they look and there he is. Boom. Shoot him. You know, it's like there. That tone. Um, it, it, I just find hilarious. It's so dark, um, but it's funny. And hey, what else are you gonna do? It seemed realistic in a goofy way too. And so that's where you know that's where you know ideas that we throw out, like you know Murphy goes shopping in the beginning. Well, he's got to get dressed, and why wouldn't he go pick something fun? And you know, so so it's a funny bit, but it's also in a way it's completely straight ahead. But because the world is so upside down, it 
just plays funny. And so that's the thing. We're always trying to play everything straight, but the world is upside down, so it works out to be humorous. But 28 Days Later, I love, you know, the, the, one of the seminal moments for me is that uh, changing the tire in the tunnel moment where, you know, all of a sudden all the rats just come flying through the tunnel and you're like, what the heck is that noise? Oh, my God, it's rats. And then you, you see the shadows on the wall as the uh, zombies are running full speed down there. I'm like, ah, see, that's scary. That's a good horror movie moment. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of big fan of Alien. Um, that was another, just in terms of kind of a horror movie uh, that was great. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Zombieland, I mean, all those are funny. I like The Walking Dead. You know, I, I didn't catch on till late, but I was a huge Frank Darabont fan. So I think I caught the season finale, in the, or the marathon right before the season finale when they ran those first six or eight or whatever the first season was. And again, thought it was great. Thought the fact that, hey, we're playing after Zombieland and some of these other ones, the fact that they were playing it super straight was, that's cool. Um, the Crazies, you guys seen The Crazies? That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite. Um, that kind of Twilight Zone, you know, very Rod Serling kind of ending to it. I thought it was just perfect. Um, and uh, so, so you know, I'm familiar with, with the genre, but um, uh, like I said, it wasn't, you know, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge and you know, um, I, I I find some of the earlier Romero ones are, are really great. You know, the first one, The Night of the Living Dead, was great, but to me, it was the political commentary right. that I that shocked me. I had to go back and rewatch it before I started working on Z Nation, and I'm like, great, the black man survives the night and then gets shot by a redneck at dawn. No <laughs> way. And I'm like, when did this come? This is '68. Holy crap! Romero had some big ones. You know, I mean, that is an enormous you know, political statement to put into this little zombie show. And again, you get part of that speech, you know, from, uh, <laughs> from the collector, part of my rant comes out of the collector's mouth, uh, in, in episode 208, where there really was a lot going on. That's why that movie has, has stayed with us, you know, is because there's more going on than just, the uh, brains, you know, which I guess they don't even say in that movie anyway. Um, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was return where that came into play. With that's Russo. right. Yeah, that's all Russo right there. But yeah, I've done the uh, I've done the, the the trip to Evan City to go to the cemetery. I've oh, gone, really? I've oh, gone to Monroeville yeah. Mall. <laughs> so, Same here. Yeah. So was that, we went right the outside. day after y'all. Yeah, it's right outside Pittsburgh. Is that where that is? Right. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. too far out there. I went through oh. the cemetery and went, Barbara, they're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> have the picture by the tombstone and everything it's all there so well and again it shows you how much can be done about creating tension and horror without you know by playing the reactions of people mm-hmm. you know you got a few arms coming through boarded windows and you got some slow moving people and yeah some people get chomped but again like the collector says i think the scariest moment is you know down in the basement when the little girl dies and turns mm-hmm. oh, and the mom just is frozen and looking at her and so that's my, my little Z Nation nod and spin when Murphy goes, yeah, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> just, just shrugs it off, you know. So anyway, but I, I do. I like, I like scary movies. I like scary movies and funny movies because they uh, – and, and that's why I love combining scary and funny in Z Nation because the involuntary reaction that happens with an audience, you know, you either laugh or you scream. Mm-hmm. You don't go, hmm, this is really scary. I think I'll decide to be scared now. You know, with the drama, you consider what's going on, and you think about it and all that. With horror or comedy, you either laugh or you scream. Right. And, um, and so that's how it either works or it doesn't. And it's not, it's like you're laughing and going, oh, that's so wrong, I shouldn't be laughing. You're right, but you're laughing. And so that's what, it's fun. It's fun to work in that, yeah. in that, uh, that kind of storytelling framework. 
Since you brought um, up Romero, I'm I'm <laughs> just going to suggest that you check out uh, Martin, his vampire movie. Uh, oh, funny. Okay, it's, I'm not even familiar with that. It's that's, a, that's it, interesting. Yeah, it's really low on the radar out there. You can actually find it on if you you know use a search engine, you can find it probably on YouTube okay. maybe. But it's yeah, he, he it's one of his, he said it's one of his favorite films that he did. But it's it it leaves a lot of questions. It's really interesting storytelling that he does in it. But yeah, okay. it's from like 1978, and it's called Martin. It's called Martin. Yes. Okay, I'll check it out. Thank you. <laughs> I do like the fact that Z Nation isn't as nihilistic as some other horror shows, but uh, I, I do have a, a, a praise for your Die Zombie, Die Again episode. <laughs> right. Because it addresses PTSD in a very realistic manner. I actually suffer from chronic PTSD and oh, wow. um, from childhood abuse. And um, the loop dream that you can't escape Mm-hmm. was so well done. And even the part where Addie's dreaming is Mac, it's a disassociative thing that... Ah, um, you got that. Nice. Yeah. So um, my, I was so impressed, and I did a write-up actually on my website about why I liked it so much. Um, did you do a lot of research for it, or do you know someone who suffers from PTSD? Because you got so much right. Well, I guess, I, you know, I, I don't... Um I didn't have a specific person in mind, no, but, but yeah, there's certainly, you know, lots of people that I've come across or, or have experience in life with that, that suffer from various versions of the things, and, and Carl also. I mean, the, the, one of the, the things about being a writer, and I guess it's our superpower or we became a writer because of that, is that we're, you know, we're fairly observant people, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll notice things and they'll just get piled to put in the back of our brain on some pile. And then all of a sudden, you'll be working on something, and you go, oh, the story about the such and such a thing comes to mind. And it's like, oh, remember their thing was yada, 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 yada. Or here's the people that got lost on the mountain. Here's the thing that happened to them. And, you know, and it's just weird how certain things you just observe or you, or you file away. Um, and that helps. It helps inform what you're writing if it's not completely made up, but you just kind of tailor the truth out of the experience or out of the thing you've, you've researched, and then you find a way to work it in. So, yeah, that's neat that you caught that the whole uh, cognitive dissonance thing, where she is uh, is is it can't even bring her mind can't even bring herself to allow it to be her in that situation. It had to be Mac. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Carl Schaefer and I wrote that one uh, together, um, and it was an interesting story because we had uh, the episode uh, that's going to air in two weeks, I guess, episode 210, um, was the one that we were going to try and shoot last year, and it was just too big of a show, and we just couldn't, we weren't, gonna, we weren't able to find the locations for them, we, weren't, we just weren't going to pull it off. And um, so Carl and I were talking and I said, look, let's let's just write another one. And so we wrote that one in four days and we had to kind of write to order in order to keep the production on track. So we couldn't with four days to write it. We couldn't write another big, gigantic, complicated episode that we weren't going to be able to prep just like we couldn't prep the other one. So um, so Carl and I went out to this location like on a Sunday afternoon and went, "Okay." We'll have a thing that happens here, and then they'll they'll camp here, and then well, here's the journey. They'll go from there to there to there to there, and then at each thing. And so we literally scouted it <laughs> before we wrote it. We kind of you know you know back and forth verbalized what the scenes might be while we're walking through these physical spaces, and then we went back and blasted it out. And the next you know he took half the script, and I took half the script, and we finished it. I want to say in three days uh, after that initial scout, and we were able to shoot it and. And it's interesting because some people just hate that episode, and then other people love it. So that's what it was funny. I remember uh, sitting up in the middle of the night writing with him, and he was like, 
I was lamenting that, oh man, you know, I don't know, man. And he's like, no, this will be somebody's favorite episode. Just watch. So he's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we had Carl on, he said that the Die Zombie Die Again episode was hated by the network and later dragged over your coals on social media. But it's often cited as one of the favorites of the fans. Oh, think- see, I didn't, I didn't want to say that, but if he did, yeah, no, the network was mad because <laughs> they were expecting this other Grand Canyon episode that you're finally going to get to see in a couple weeks, and it ends up being really great. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and we had to wing it. So, obviously, if we're writing it in four days and then taking it right into prep, uh, there wasn't a lot of time for the network and the studio to read it and think about it and give notes and massage it, you know, participate in feedback. It's like, no, 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 we prepped that already. We're shooting it. Sorry, guys. You know, if you want to give us more money, great. Let's talk about it. But uh, these are the, you know, this this is, this is the, you're, we're already the biggest value for money on television for scripted shows. So we're already just running to the red line and the engine's overheating as it is. So please work with us. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that didn't like that one. And there's a lot of people as, as the year goes on. Uh, yeah. Uh, people love it and people write about it and, and reference it as their favorite, which is pretty funny. Not everyone did, of course, but, uh, but it was interesting to have, have it be that kind of lightning rod. I'll tweet you my recap so you can look at it as the perspective of somebody who suffers from PTSD. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Thank you. I, I'd, I'd love to see that. Oh, you did a great job. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Right on. Appreciate that. Do you think Z Nation will do another episode like that? Probably not with that same riff. I mean, it's tricky. It's sort of a, you know, a time-honored, um, you know, sci-fi riff. And, you know, about two weeks later, the Tom Cruise movie came out. Um last summer which was great that did it brilliantly that lived i repeat whatever edge of tomorrow so that whole hey we've been through this again i'm going to change you know each time i move through this timeline i'm going to try and change something so that's a to me that's like the christmas episode you know it's like you get to do one of those (laughs) so uh we'll probably do other things where you know the perception of a character gets bent you know things like that you know our, our territories you can go but there's sort of you know these uh um, you know, it's like a football play. It's like, yeah, it's a double reverse. You don't, you don't run a double reverse twice in a game. Uh, so we probably won't again. But uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, we've got plenty of other little, little gags and tricks up our sleeve to kind of keep things off balance. And, you know, I think you've seen that in season two that, you know, you've got the consistency of the characters. But, but you know, every week it's a different movie. You know, we're in a different location. You've got different guest stars and, in some cases, different zombies. And, um, you know, we really are, are trying to uh, exercise um, the, um, uh, how do I want to put it? I, I guess we've got a lot of opportunity with what the wide open space creatively, and we're trying to take advantage of that. Okay. I have a quick question about another episode from, from last season, uh, Home okay. Sweet Zombie, something we're still debating. Um, was Warren's husband ah. alive? Uh, did he save her from the tor- tornado and then become a zombie? Well, if you notice in the in the tornado, um, he was a zombie, um, and um, if you look close, so so the way okay. so I wrote, I wrote it, and I, it, it's one of those things where um, I'm completely happy that anybody has whatever interpretation they want. But I'll tell you the one that I wrote and, you know, all that, which is it's a it's a vision uh, when Warren is giving herself up um, to the storm and basically letting go of, of life. Um, she 
he she sees she sees a vision uh so uh, he's not really there um and um and and then so that part is that part is is her point of view her perception and then what you do see at the very end is the fireman her husband as a zombie so that part is is real um you know so we try to go subjective and objective which is tricky uh in an episode and i think that's a fun one because some We'll go, no, 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 it was really there, and somehow he knew to save her. And it's like, ah, okay, that's fine. If that's how you like it, then there it is. Uh, but that was the way I intended it, was that that, that part was a, was a vision, and she's having this sort of, um, you know, we're trying to externalize what Warren was going through, which is she has to let go of him and accept that he's not really there. And sort of at the time was going to go, I, I don't need to be here either if he's not. You know, kind of thing. So that was an interesting episode because, by, to date, we hadn't had taken anybody to where they were before the apocalypse happened. Nobody had been back to their hometown. Nobody killed a zombie that they knew. You know, which she has to do in the firehouse when she kills coworkers. You know, of her husband, and thinking maybe one of them was her husband at the time that they were doing it, um, not being sure. So those that was like, you know, we hadn't done that yet, and um, um, that's always a thing. You need. Seen in other movies and other zombie shows, but uh, it's always a profound thing when the person has to, you know, there's there the zombie apocalypse life overlays briefly with. Oh wait, I used to be here. That's why she freaks out when Murphy's sitting in her husband's chair being a jerk. It's like no, no, no. That world and this world don't collide. You get out of that chair. You know that kind of thing. So, do you have a favorite character to write for? Um, no, I probably don't have one favorite character. Um, I, uh, I enjoy Murphy, um, because he's such a, you know, he's a great anti-hero and he's complex and he's interesting like that. Um, I like Warren because Warren, um, is always fighting to just kind of stay on point and kind of deny and block out so much other stuff and just go, somebody has to lead, stay on point. And you can kind of see in her face and her expressions that she carries the weight of the bodies trailing behind them, you know, from from Hammond to Garnett, you know, to other people that they've encountered along the way, um, you know, to Mac, you know, to other people that that they've lost and are, are, are have sacrificed for this mission, which just makes the mission in her mind that much more important. Um, so I like that, and I like how Kalita brings that. Uh, you know, Doc, of course, is is you know can't deliver a bad line. I mean, he's so Russell, so terrific, and he's funny, and he he just has the right kind of groove, and just you know he's able to observe things from a from a different perspective. So you know, each of the voices are a little bit different, and that's what kind of makes the fabric work. You know, Addie's great because she's she's tough and snarky, and, uh, um, and you know she kind of went through her own little existential thing last season. So she's been fairly straight ahead, particularly after you know Mac died uh, uh, in episode two, and um, yeah. So it's you know each, each each character has something to offer. You know, Vasquez is new this season, and uh, and he brings a kind of a toughness and a and a and a and a distance you know to the group. Like I love the moment. Uh, in uh, in episode seven, when <laughs> Skitchy and Skeezy <laughs> come on the boat and they're just talking smack like they do, and Vasquez just isn't having it. He's you know mm-hmm. he's got no other baggage other than to evaluate the moment here and now. And he's like, I've heard enough. Get off the boat. <laughs> you know that was it. And I like I like his his directness and matter of factness. And there, there'll be some some more uh, really interesting revelations about his character that kind of play out over the over the final four or five. Uh, episodes, but uh, I, he's been a great, a great character, a different flavor to write for. The collector was an awesome villain, 
social media has been blowing up during the airing with demands for his death. <laughs> Did you mean <laughs> to make him so loathsome, or was it supposed to be all sympathetic? Or because after all, the CDC didn't listen to him. Yeah, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, I mean the collector is a villain. He's absolutely a a bad guy. But you know, we tried, um, you know, tried to do things like we do with all of it. We tried to give him some humanity and some things you liked about him and that i think makes for good drama you know um where you can you know he's empathetic with murphy feels bad about his mom maybe his mom died young too or whatever so and you've got these these moments and then you've got these other things where he's just completely nuts and no 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 no, no. i was only showing you this because you're going to be in my exhibit too how did you not get that from all this you know you're like oh that's because you're crazy that's why um so I liked I liked writing a guy that was complex. There's things you liked about him, and there's things that were funny that he did or said. You, you know, I love the the chase sequence where he's negotiating with Murphy, thinking that's what this is about. You know, you you just you know you want a different cut. Okay, we can talk about this. It's like oh, you, you know, it doesn't occur to him that he wouldn't want to be part of the exhibit. It doesn't occur that he wouldn't want to be part of this fantastic zombie thing he's creating. Of course he would. So that so the collector's completely confused by all that. So that's why I love that, you know, to have this funny negotiating about the liquor sales and the cut on the George Martin books and things like that while he's chasing him with a gun, you know, and the guy's running away from him and he's not totally getting it. So I don't know. I hope people enjoyed that part that he was a a villain that wasn't just like dripping blood the whole time, but was uh was uh affectionate to a certain degree and and human and you know, um somebody you could relate to certainly with his knowledge of the zombie shows and you know he loves the genre so much and just wants to talk to somebody about it you know that stuff i thought was super fun and then the next minute he's putting a dart into him and you know screaming at him about you know you're an idiot and you're you know you're a pawn um so i loved i loved the way tom buyer was able to kind of play the range of the character and and um take him from, you know, he's kind of making sense. Oh, wait, that's the same guy that beheaded a zombie a minute ago, so I shouldn't listen to him, you know? But uh, anyway, that's what I thought was fun. So was that the same Fox and Bunny and uh, what something else from the last episode also? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, you know, we recycled. He caught a blaster from episode three, mm-hmm. you saw, and a Fido zombie from episode four came back. And... Uh, the uh, kind of the, the zombie boil, uh, I think, is from thirteen last year. I mean, that might have been from the season finale. That there was there was a zombie that had those kind of spores and boils on him that from the toxic uh, waste stuff. Um, so yeah, so that was that was a, a chance to kind of kind of slip in a, a few other things to to help illustrate really that the that the world is bigger than we've shown you so far. Here's other people that have also run across blasters, you know, things like that. And that's part of the fun of, of season two is really kind of expanding the world, you know, showing you a wider, taking a wider uh, angle lens uh, to look at the zombie apocalypse. Well, I can't wait to get my fun pack. (laughs) (laughs) I want a fun pack. Right. I want Funko collection. That's what I want. Funko toys. I love it. Well, I think we're we're almost out of time here. Um, and I one more quick question about your your Lord save us from your followers. Where can yeah. we find that? Where can we see that? Uh, that's on Amazon, uh, Hulu, um, Netflix. But I think it just recently jumped over to where you have to get the DVD in the mail as opposed to some of the streaming it right now. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, 
th those are probably the easiest places to find it. Yeah, but that was a documentary that that came out. I think we released it in the theaters. Two thousand nine came out on DVD. Twenty ten. Uh, the hope the hope was that it would help dispel this us versus them conversation that's going on. But uh, of course, as we uh, ramp up uh, the election cycle again, you, you see that there's more work to be <laughs> done. Yes. So uh, sadly, the movies is relevant and evergreen, if not more needed than ever. But there's certainly some. Uh, some interesting, uh, powerful uh, uh, scenarios in there, and it's pretty funny too. It's a, uh, it, it sort of tackles the same territory as Bill Maher's Religious did, mm -hmm. Religious, however you pronounce it. Um, but this one's funnier, and this one's fair. So the, it, I come at it from the perspective um, of a of a Christian, of a of a follower of Jesus, but uh, um, with an open mind and you know with an apology at the ready for yeah. Okay, sorry, maybe we haven't quite done this, or clearly we've uh, conveyed the wrong uh, the wrong message here uh, by how we've uh, how we collectively as a as a church have, have acted. And um, yeah, I got to I got to travel. I probably did 180 screenings of that show. I played in theaters, and then I got invited to speak all over and been to you know all over Texas. So many so many, <laughs> many uh, colleges yeah. in Texas uh, among uh, yeah. So. That so I got to, you know, Baylor, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the, uh, that was the biggest, so the, uh, what's the, Howard Payne? Is that the one near Wake? Uh, yeah, I think it's Howard Payne. Um, was, it was a great little little school, so going from these giant schools to little schools kind of all over, um, and uh, all over the country. It's a really fascinating conversation, and that's what the movie's designed to do. It's like, let's talk about this. Let's take a breath and make sure we hear how we sound when we talk to other people, and we might not be communicating what we think we're communicating, and um, so it's a pretty fast and furious movie where you've got everything from a, a culture wars game show where we pit liberals against conservatives and play a version of the family feud uh, to try and see how we hear each other. So that's a fun thing. Um, I set up a confession booth uh, at the gay pride event in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, and that's a pretty powerful uh, exchange. And um, then uh, you'll also see me parading around all, all over the country and all over Texas uh, in a, um, a bumper sticker man's suit where I, I wear a suit with competing ideologies so it might say uh, you know uh, you know Jesus is Lord and uh, focus on your own damn family both on the same jumpsuit so when you walk around to try and talk to people they would look at the suit and there'd be a slogan they agree with and a slogan they disagree with and go wait wait what so what do you think and I'm like <laughs> well I want to talk to you about what you think and is that hey if you ask people what they think and they trust that you actually want to hear their answer you're not just waiting for them to say the wrong thing and up and explain why they're wrong. If you really want to just hear what people think, they'll tell you. And it's uh, you know staunch atheists to gay people to straight people to extremely religious people. It's like say uh, in the movie, and the audience can can watch and decide where they line up or decide that maybe lining up isn't the point. <laughs> so there's there's Lord's Christmas from your followers in a nutshell. But yeah, I think Amazon and, and Hulu are among the easiest places to find it. Well, and then we end with a random question where you get to pick a number between 1 and 26. How about 21? 21. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Rocky Road. Cool. Oh, that's a good one. It is. Yeah, I like all, yeah, the, all the so stuff good. in there. Yeah. 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 I can't eat it anymore, sadly, because I developed an allergy to nuts. But. Oh, no. See, that's funny when you say a random question i thought oh that's wonder what the, it'll be and then it's like oh i know the <laughs> yes. sometimes yes. questions are hard but that one wasn't so i know was an easy question good 
So we'd like to thank you for coming out and joining us on this week. Uh, it was awesome to have you with us. Oh, thanks, you guys. It was a, it was a pleasure to visit with you, and uh, thanks for your for your efforts. Uh, you know, to keep the uh, keep the show uh, visible, and uh, it, it's fun. Like I said, it, the the affection and enthusiasm around the the genre and around our show, and and uh, just the fact that you guys uh, and and the people listening and uh, and tweeting in, you know, catch the little details, the things. You know, it's it's a it's a nice affirmation that um, that the audience cares, and that um, that you know we should go that extra mile to make sure that the these little details you get into the show because they matter to people, and that's that's really encouraging. So I appreciate what you guys do, and thank you. Oh, it's a great show. We love talking about it. So, <laughs> right on. Well, you got to strap in because it just gets goofier from here on in. So uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's really fun. You guys are going to really enjoy the uh, the Roswell ne- episode next week, and um, and then from then on, it you know it's like it doesn't slow down, and that's the neat thing with the show. It's like each week, it's a, it's almost like a little movie each week. It's a whole different you know kind of adventure and. Um, you know, next week and uh, the ensuing weeks are no exception. I can't wait. I really can't. The <laughs> Roswell one, it's so funny because, like I said, my mother didn't watch it until the, the Murphy baby. And she saw the previews for the Roswell one. She goes, I'm watching that one, too. So, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's the hope. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we appreciate uh, you guys sharing with each other. And uh, it's, you know, it's never too late you know, to catch up. I mean, thank goodness for, you know, Netflix and, uh, you know, obviously season one is on Netflix. So if you are behind, you can blast through it and binge watch it and catch up there and see season two is pretty much on, if if I'm not mistaken, they're all up on, you know, Comcast or, um, um, sci-fi.com. I think between the one or the other, you can see all the episodes and get caught up. And, um, you know, we're hoping, we're hoping to be making more, uh, more seasons, so uh, you know it's never too late to uh, jump on the bandwagon, and, uh, and you know if this thing is your cup of tea, then uh, we're glad to have you because it's been a fun party, and we hope it goes on. We're looking forward to it. Well, we usually end. I, I give the listeners mercy, and Dan, we'd be honored if you do that for us. Ah, <laughs> that is excellent. What an excellent! I did not know you did that. That's an excellent trick. <laughs> well, uh, may may God give you peace, and I give you mercy.